sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is a period of 40 days of fasting and prayer leading up to Easter. This week I saw uh, something online. Evidently, the actor Mark Wahlberg is Catholic. And he uh, went on the Today Show this past Wednesday, which was, of course, Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is when a lot of Christians kick off Lent, and we do that by making the sign of the cross in ash on our forehead. So Mark Wahlberg went on the Today Show with an ashen cross on his forehead and was talking about Lent on the Today Show. But it was hilarious because the Chiron that they put at the bottom said, Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge. <laughs> so I turned to Sarah Beth and said, Sarah Beth, what are you giving up for Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge? <laughs> I assure you, Lent is a lot more than Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge. It is, it is uh, very little to do with Marky Mark, in fact, and has a lot more to do with Jesus. You see, we celebrate Easter coming up about 40 days from now, and and we need to spend some time preparing our hearts in contemplation and in, in introspection as we get ready to celebrate Easter. So we're going to follow the journey of Jesus up to Easter. And we're going to do that in, in a series I'm calling Close Encounters of the Holy Kind. And we're talking about uh, times when Jesus had an encounter in Scripture that left people changed. And the hope is that we will have an encounter during this Lent with the living Jesus that will change us as well. So today we're talking about uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Here's what it says. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered them, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but there are some things that I've heard all of my life, and I've just kind of accepted, but they don't exactly make sense to me. I don't know, maybe you're not like this, but do you ever hear something, 
so much and so often that you just kind of roll with it. But if you go back and think about it, you think, like, what does that actually mean? I'll give you an example. The phrase quitting cold turkey. Like, I know what quitting cold turkey means, but what in the world does it have to do with cold turkey? Why do we say cold turkey? Are we talking about, like, deli meat, or are we talking about a bird that's chilly? I don't know. I have all my life heard that I'm going to quit something cold turkey, but if you ask me why do we say that phrase when we talk about that thing, I could not tell you. I don't know. It's just something I go with. Another thing, if you call someone a couch potato, like I get it, I know what a couch potato is, but where did we get couch potato from? Why wasn't it some other kind of vegetable? Why aren't we talking about a couch squash? I don't know. Has a potato ever grown on a couch? I don't think so. Why is it couch potato? Like, like I get what it means, but it just doesn't literally make sense to me. And I bring this up because I've probably read this story dozens of times, possibly even hundreds of times, about the story of the temptation of Jesus. But there are a couple things in this story that have never made sense to me. And I go with it like, I'm, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with it. The devil t brought Jesus out and he tempted him. But I don't, uh, there's just some things that just stick in my craw, which is another thing I don't understand, by the way. What is a craw? I don't know. But there are some things that just bother me every time I read it. And I wonder if they bother you too. So here's the thing. The first thing that has never made sense to me and, and Vicky alluded to it during the children's sermon, is that Jesus was baptized, had the, had the dove, which represented the Holy Spirit, appear to him. A voice from the sky said, this is my son, who I'm well pleased. And then instead of starting his public ministry, he went out to the desert to get tempted for 40 days. This does not make sense to me. Why would Jesus do that? I mean, it just feels like Jesus is squandering all the momentum that his baptism got him. Everybody that was standing around looking at his baptism might have said, oh my gosh, maybe we should listen to this guy like the voice in the sky said. And instead of going out and healing those people or preaching or teaching or doing any of that stuff, Jesus just said, okay, bye. <laughs> and went off to the desert for 40 days. It's like, that just doesn't make sense. In, in modern times, in the way we think about the world, if you get the momentum of, of something good happening, you want to capitalize on that momentum. You want to get butts in the seats, butts in the pews, by, having, by taking this good thing that happened and leveraging it to a more effective ministry. But Jesus didn't do it. Instead, he went straight into the desert. And it just doesn't make sense why he would do that. He needs to capitalize on the goodwill and go do something awesome, keep people talking, instead of just disappearing for like a month. So that's the first thing that doesn't make sense. Now, I was, did some studying this week. I was like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. Why did Jesus do this? And the closest that I got to an answer was uh, from... One of my favorite New Testament scholars, his name is Craig Keener. And Keener said 
that Jesus is calling needed to be tested. It wasn't just enough for Jesus' calling to survive the spiritual high of the baptism. Jesus had to follow his calling through the spiritual low of the wilderness. That, that if your calling can't survive the testing, that it wasn't really a calling. It feels like when we're on the mountain that we can do anything, that we're invincible. But the real test of our calling comes in the wilderness, in the desert. And that was no less true for Jesus either. So Jesus' test calling, before he could go out and act on it, had to be tested. That's what Craig Keener thinks. He's a lot smarter than I am, so I'm going to roll with it. <coughs> Excuse me. But there's another thing that doesn't make sense to me about the story. First thing that doesn't make sense is why Jesus would go to the desert right after he got baptized. The second thing that has never made sense to me is that when the devil was tempting Jesus, the first two times, he's tempting Jesus to do things that aren't actually sins. Right? First he says, turn this bread, this stone into bread so that you can eat. Where's the sin? I mean, I don't know what commandment that would be breaking. And if it's so wrong to turn things that are not bread into bread, then how come when Jesus multiplied all the loaves and the fishes that, Jesus, that God was okay with that? <coughs> God, forgive me, I got a tickle in my throat. The devil's tempting Jesus to do things that, as far as I know, don't appear on any list of sins. The next thing he does is he takes them to the very tip top of the temple and says, hey, do a cool stunt for me and jump off. And if you're really the son of God, then the angels will catch you. Well, I mean, I get why it's not a good thing to do. It's kind of dumb. But as far as I know, base jumping isn't on the list of sins. It's just not. So why is it that Jesus was tempted the first two times to do something that, that doesn't go against the Ten Commandments or any other commandment that I can find? The third one, that's pretty easy. He says, bow down and worship me. That's one of the big Ten Commandments. She'll have no other gods before me. So the third one definitely was a sin. But it bothers me. It bothers me that Satan was trying to tempt Jesus to do things that don't show up on any lists of sins that I know about. Because if, if Satan's trying to tempt me to do things that aren't sins, maybe I'm doing stuff that's wrong without knowing it. It kind of gets at me. So I had to do some research on this too. I, why is it? I mean, that's always bothered me. What's so wrong about turning the stone into bread? What's so wrong about doing some stunts? Here's what N.T. Wright has to say about it. N.T. Wright is my other favorite New Testament scholar. He says, The temptations we all face day by day and at critical moments of decision and vocation in our lives may be different from those of Jesus, but they have the exactly the same point. They're not trying to simply entice us into committing this or that sin. They're trying to distract us, to turn us aside from the path of servanthood 
to which our baptism has commissioned us. God has a costly but wonderfully glorious vocation for each one of us. The enemy will do everything possible to distract us and to thwart God's purpose. If we've heard God's voice welcoming us as his children, we will also hear the whispered suggestions of the enemy. And that's from N.T. Wright. So I think what Satan was trying to do, rather than just get Jesus to do uh, any sin, he was trying to distract Jesus. If God called Jesus out into the wilderness for a purpose, Satan didn't have to get Jesus to go commit a murder or commit idolatry. All he had to do was distract Jesus from that purpose. And he wins. Satan was a, wasn't about trying to get Jesus to transgress some list of naughty activities. He was trying to entice Jesus away from his connection with the Father. And that's it. And so often, I think that's what the enemy does to us too. We might not be going out and committing a ton of sins, or at least the kinds of sins that you read about in the news or anything, or, but we might also just be straying from our connection with the Father. And if he can keep us sedate enough to not realize that we're straying from the Father, then he's done his job. And Lent is about shaking us out of that mindset, connecting us back to the Father. So here are the three ways, I think, that Satan tried to tempt Jesus away from connection with the Father and also, I think he's working this same work in us today during the season of Lent. The first temptation when he tried to tempt Jesus with the bread, that was the temptation of comfort. And Jesus rejected comfort in order to stay close to the Father. Satan figured if he could just get Jesus comfortable, then Jesus might, might slow down. He might be distracted. He might focus on his own belly rather than focus on his calling in the desert. Now, comfort is a big deal for us, isn't it? Comfort is, in, in, a, in 2022 America, I think comfort is probably the biggest way that Satan tries to tempt us. We love being comfortable. I love being comfortable. I don't know about you. But the fact of the matter is, God was calling Jesus into an uncomfortable place. So if God is calling you to do something uncomfortable, then comfort is the enemy. Comfort brings you away from God. It wasn't about the act of turning the stones into bread. It wasn't the act of eating the bread that was going to be a sin. The temptation was for Jesus to prioritize comfort over his calling, to prioritize his comfort over his connection with the Father. And I don't know about you, but I pretty frequently prioritize my own comfort over my connection with the Father. When my alarm goes up in the morning and I could get up and 
go spend some time with God, how often do I hit that snooze, snooze button and go back to sleep? Because I would rather have the comfort of my nice warm bed than the connection time with God. It just it happens so frequently. When I'm at home at night getting ready for bed, how often do I just click on the TV and zone out rather than spend some time in prayer with God? How often do I do it? And so Lent is a great time for us to choose to reject comfort in order for connection. This is why we give things up for Lent that we like. This is why we people give up TV or sweets or certain times of food because we decide for these 40 days I'm going to go without this one thing that comforts me in order to fill that time with God. It's an opportunity for us to choose connection with God over our own comfort. The second way that Jesus was tempted, you know, these stunts that the devil was tempting him to pull off the, off the top of the temple. It was a temptation of pride. And Jesus rejected this pride to stay close to the Father. Because Jesus knew that he didn't have to prove himself to anybody. He didn't have to prove to Satan or to people or to, to the priests or anybody that he was the Son of God. He knew he was the Son of God. He didn't have to have his ego stroked that way. And he knew that the minute he started seeking validation outside of God, that there would be no end to the validation seeking. You would have, he would have to keep performing for people in order to win their validation. If he starts performing now to get people to, to praise him, then he would have to keep performing. And he'd have to keep getting more and more elaborate in order for people to keep paying attention, in order for people to keep praising him for these stunts that he's doing. Y'all, pride gets us into so much trouble. The, time, the times when we seek the validation of other people rather than finding our validation in God, we end up performing. And we, we end up propping up this religious false self who looks great and smells great, but on the inside is rotten. This was the temptation that, Jesus, that, that, that Satan wanted Jesus to have. He wanted Jesus to try to impress so that rather than doing the good work that the Father called him to do, he would waste his time performing for the sake of pride. But Jesus rejected pride in order to draw closer to the Father. <laughs> Jesus rejected outward validation in order to receive his validation from the Father. I think Lent is a great time for us to turn down pride. When we take up works of goodness and piety without making a big deal about it, it gives us an opportunity to exercise those humility muscles. Lent's a great time to do that. The third temptation that Jesus turned down when, when Satan offered him the whole world to rule if he would just bow the knee and worship him. It was the temptation of power. 
the temptation of power, which Jesus rejected to stay close to the Father. Think of how much good Jesus could have done if he had taken Satan up on this offer. Think of how much good for how, how many people Jesus could have done if he was in charge of the world in that way. He could have ended hunger. He could have shut down the Roman occupation of Jerusalem. He could have freed all of God's people from having to pay taxes to Rome. He could have ruled in such a way that things would have been so much better. But Jesus couldn't do that because the cost was too high. He couldn't do that because he knew that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What Jesus knew was that coercive power where we make people do things through the power of the state is not the way of God. But rather sacrificial love is. Craig Keener once again said, Satan was offering Jesus a kingdom without a cross. How often do we get offered the same thing? How often do we get duped by politicians into thinking that we can have the kind of power that will make things right in the world without having to offer sacrificial love to anybody? Just so that they can Score the evangelical vote. And Satan was offering Jesus a kingdom without a cross. And so often we take want the same thing. We want to be in charge rather than sacrifice for anybody. But Jesus rejected the temptation of power in order to accept the power of sacrificial love. And I'm so glad that he did because he ended up doing more good for more people than he would have been able to do otherwise through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Lent is all about following Jesus into the desert for 40 days of our own. It's about intentionally seeking out ways in which we can reject comfort, which we can reject pride, which we can reject power in order to get closer to him, to commune with him, to offer ourselves more fully to him. It's about listening to the voice of our father in the wilderness instead of the voice of the tempter who is continually trying to distract us. It's a chance to go deeper in our faith because we prioritize God over everything else. Now, the thing about Lent is that we have this temptation to make it all about like self-flagellation, like trying to, to hurt ourselves in order to prove that we're holy. Man, it's not, Lent's not about that. Lent is about doing whatever it takes to get closer to Jesus, to connect with God in a deeper way. And I promise you that whatever you receive from Jesus in an effort to get closer to him will be better than anything you gave up to get it. It's about embracing grace to do through Christ what we cannot do in our own power. So I don't know if you've already picked up something to give up for Lent today. We're already like three days into it. But I want to encourage you 
to do some reflection, to reflect on how you can reject comfort for the next 40 days in order to be closer to Jesus, how you can reject pride or how you can reject power, and how you can fill your days with him instead. Let's pray and consider that. Jesus, you have given us an incredible gift and the example of your son in the desert. God, he could have been baptized and then gone out and does amazing things and not ever given us this example. But instead, he gave himself in obedience to go to the desert for an opportunity to reject all of the ways that Satan would have him be distracted. And God, Satan's at work today trying to distract us in all kinds of ways. He is dangling all kinds of comfort before our face so that we could turn away from you. He's dangling all kinds of pride and outward validation. He's dangling all kinds of power in hopes that we might turn away and get distracted from the work that you've called us to do, which is to love you with all of our heart and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So God, help us to rededicate ourselves to you today. Give us your grace to do what we cannot do by ourselves and show up for us when we fail. In your name I pray, amen.